Welcome to the Tools for Today's Farmers podcast, brought to you by the Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team. Our podcast will cover current issues in farming and will provide insight from a wide variety of experts in agriculture. Now let's get farm strong. All right. Hello, and thank you all for tuning in. I'm your host, Rachel Dillhoff. And I'm your co-host, Abby Heidenreich. And today we are so excited to have with us here, uh, Mike Wilson. And Mike, you're the specialty product manager at Wabash Valley Service Company, correct? Yes, that's correct. Perfect. All right. So Mike, can you tell us a little bit about what your background is, what you do? Um, Just, you know, fill us in. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I grew up in a I grew up on a family farm in western Gibson County, about as far west in Gibson County as you can get. Uh, The Wabash River is actually on two sides of our old family farm. Uh, We're kind of in a bend. And uh, we were at the mercy of the Wabash um, up until the time I was about seven years old. And the uh, U.S. Corps of Engineers built a levee. And then, man, farming got easier in the bottoms because it wasn't covered with water six months out of the year. But... uh, (laughs) Grew up on a farm, um, uh, went to high school at Gibson Southern High School, was very involved in FFA there, very involved in 4-H growing up. Uh, went to Purdue Short Course, uh, one of the last years they offered Purdue Short Course back in 79. Um, went back home, uh, went to work on the farm, uh, worked for Princeton Farms uh, in the off-season, bagging popcorn and seed corn and soybeans, uh, done a lot of different things. Um at that time. And we raised a few hogs on the farm and corn and soybeans and wheat. And, uh, in 1993, I left the farm and I got into ag retail. Um, that's been a real experience. Uh, I've been in ag retail for uh, 28, 29, oh man, 29 years. <laughs> been with Wabash Valley, the 27 of that. I was with Orange County Co-op in uh, Paoli and uh, Orleans for a while, lived at Orleans. And then I came here in 94. I've been a uh, certified crop advisor. I took, I was one of the first examinees to take the test in Indiana in 1994, uh, February of 94. And I've been, I left Orange County about 60 days after that and came over here. And at that time I had to take the test again because <laughs> I recognized Illinois didn't recognize Indiana. We didn't have the tri-state exam yet. So, uh, but uh, got my Illinois certification. And for a long time, I carried both certifications until they became, uh, 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 they recognized them. I can't think of the word. My vocabulary is a little short today. Reciprocate. And then they took my Indiana certificate and I just got one. It kind of ticked me off because I earned that. So that was <laughs> And... I've been with Wabash Valley uh, in four different positions. I was a salesman out of our Allendale location for about nine years. Uh, We consolidated uh, four locations into one in uh, Edwards and Wabash counties in uh, um, 02. And I went over there to Browns to be the manager. I was the location manager for five years there. And then for the Next three years, I was a region manager for the company. I was a manager of the central region of the company. And then in 2011, they came up with this crazy idea to do a specialty products product manager. 
And what I do is I deal in snake oil and foo-foo dust. <laughs> I do. So I take care of all seed treatments, uh, our adjuvants, our proprietary products that, that we have made for that are exclusive to Wabash Valley alone. I do a lot of work with uh, um, micronutrients, nutrient use efficiency. A lot of what I do is environmental, uh, considered environmental work, conservation work, um, a lot of plot work nutrient use efficiency. And that's going to be really important this year because it don't sound like we're going to get all the nitrogen we need. And uh, I got an app for that. So <laughs> we, we can fix a lot of things or help manage a lot of things. And the reason we did that is, is I do some work with the Fertilizer Institute with the American Society of Agronomy. And we looked at regulation. You know, we figured here in Illinois, you know, we're, we're kind of a left of center looking state and we were expecting regulations to come down through Illinois EPA and Illinois Department of Ag kind of like what's going on in Chesapeake Bay and the uh, Lake Erie watershed and those kind of things so we were preparing for lower nitrogen and phosphorus use in the state because we thought it'd be regulated we didn't know we weren't gonna be able to get it so we're, we're kind of already prepared for that so that's yeah. things I do and that's that's some of the work that I, I do I'm pretty involved in Illinois CCA and um, uh, international CCA, uh, do some work with the Fertilizer Institute, um, did a little work for the EPA, US EPA this past couple of years. Just, just kind of try to keep my finger on what's going on in, in the conservation side of agriculture. And for people like myself, what does CCA stand for? Certified Crop Advisor. All right, perfect, thank you. I just so, want to make sure I, I know there's so many acronyms, so I just want to make yeah, sure I, I get them all straight. <laughs> yes, I've I've been a certified crop advisor for almost 28 years, and wow. who a lot of you guys know is the one that trained me to to take the exam a long time ago. <laughs> it's it's kind of evolved into kind of a monster, and I've I really enjoy being involved in that program. Awesome. So let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the this farming community. In your job that you do right now, um, what experience do you have with farmers and rural stress management? From what I for what I do right now, I talk to a lot of farmers, and most of the questions I get are, "What what can I do to make my farm more efficient?" And what can I do to make my life easier uh, as far as things I don't have to worry about? You know, um, farming is going to be stressful regardless of what we do because we're at the, we're at the whim of, we, and we have been since man first tilled soil or first domesticated an animal. We're at the whim of the weather. And I think there's a Mexican proverb somewhere that says that you know, a farmer worries about everything. And if he's afraid if the sow has too many pigs, he can't feed her. And if she doesn't have enough pigs, he can't feed his family. And, and that's really the way farming works. I mean, um, there's so many variables. And then you throw in, you throw in some of the regulations that we're dealing with today. Um, and I'm not going to cast stones at regulation. I'm, it, it, it's just what we have to deal with. And then supply issues are compounded right now. And I'm getting a lot of questions about supply issues. And if I'm getting questions this time of year, 
because I don't interface with farmers on a daily basis. I'm, 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 I'm overhead. I, I, uh, our salespeople, I deal with our sales force. And then if they call me in or a farmer wants to talk, you know, they'll call. I mean, I talk to farmers, but I'm not the first line. So if what we do is we try to prepare our salespeople to be able to answer those questions. So we try to take as many variables as we can out so that we can help our farmers be more efficient and help them reduce their, some of their stress, help, help make them um, make their life easier. And like you said, there's so many variables that go into farming and it's not always easy. Some years are better than others. And I know you um, kind of talking with the, on that same wavelength about stress management and rural stressors that, that happen. You mentioned mm-hmm. that you had left the farm, um, 93, I believe you said. Uh, yes. what, what made you make that decision? Well, I had three daughters under 10 years old. And we were a pretty good sized grain and livestock operation. And uh, hogs were 13 cents a pound or thereabouts. And corn was about 350, which by today's standards that, you know, but anybody old enough, anybody that can do the math and you feeding $3.50 corn to 15, 16 cent hogs, you're not making much money. Uh, you're really just feeding hogs for fun. And there's not a whole lot of fun in feeding hogs, <laughs> uh, you know? So it was economics. Um, my wife and I looked at it and how are we going to educate our kids? How are we going to send our kids to college when, you know, we're losing, we're losing money. You know, we're not, we're not making any money here. And we made the decision that we were going to leave the farm. And there was, it was, uh, it was difficult to make that decision. Not just because we were going to have to move and we moved from, from Owensville to Paoli or to Orleans. And that was a move and that was stressful for the kids because they were all in school. Uh, the youngest one was in kindergarten and it was a hard decision to make. And then it, it was the other decision was, or the other part of that was, you know, this is all I've ever done. And this is what my family's done for, I mean, I've got a cousin that's a genealogist and he can tell you what our family's done for about 15 generations. And it's pretty much been farming. And what, what was, what was, what did I owe my ancestors? What did I owe my grandparents and my parents? And, and I kind of came to the conclusion that I owed my kids a whole lot more than owed people that weren't even around anymore. And that's kind of a blunt way to put it, but I wanted my kids to go to college and I wanted things for my family that I wasn't able to provide on the farm at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a tough thing to go through. I mean, it, it was tough because I'd never, I worked with my dad every day. Mm-hmm. And when that ended, that was, that was hard for both of us. Yeah. Uh, my family had farmed in Gibson County for uh, about 90 years at that time. 
we'd been in Gibson County about 90 years at that time. And we'd been on the same farm. I was a, f my kids were the fifth generation of our family to live on that farm and never on, on parts of what we farmed and never owned it. We'd, you know, we'd been tenants there for since 1915. That's uh, when my family moved to Gibson County from Park County. But, and I tell you what, I couldn't have got through without my wife. She was, she was, you know, whatever we need to do. I actually, I actually had a harder time convincing her that we needed to move to Illinois than I did to leave the farm. Really? She, yeah. Yeah. She, she was, uh, she said, we've only been here so many, you know, just right at a year, the kids are just getting acclimated to school and you want to move them again. And I'm like, well, this is a better opportunity for all of us. And it turned out it was, it was the best thing we could have done, but we, we moved. Yeah, it was, it was funny. When we moved to Orleans, we found a nice three-bedroom house to rent. Um, uh, our finances were wrecked to the point we weren't going to buy anything. Um, but we we made it, and it was tough that first year. Um, and you grieve for the farm when you leave it. I'm going to tell you, it's just like losing a member of the family. Mm -hmm. Grieve. Um but I had a, a person that was involved in the process, a banker that was involved in the process of us leaving the farm. And he told me, he said, regardless of what happens between the bank and, and you, don't let what's happening to you define the rest of your life. Don't give up. And that really didn't sink in for probably a year, but you can't give up. There's a lot after the farm and it's been a pretty daggone good life. Um, uh, we, we moved here. Uh, our kids were involved. We're a big 4-H family. Uh, I, I'm going to brag a minute. I, I was, I was inducted into the Illinois 4-H foundation hall of fame this past at the state fair this past year. Awesome. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. Uh, I've had my share of, of uh, recognition for the work I do with conservation and with through certified crop advisor and some other stuff. But the 4-H thing, that was pretty cool. I've been a 4-H leader, a superintendent since pretty much since we moved here. Like I said, I was on the extension council. So that was pretty cool. But we... The kids, you know, my oldest daughter wanted to be involved in FFA. So she was chapter president here at Mount Carmel High School when she was a senior. Uh, our kids all went to college. My kids all have college degrees. Uh, got one that's a school teacher, one that's a uh, nurse, and one that's uh, actually has an agronomy degree from Murray State and is a certified crop advisor. That's so, awesome. Oh, yes. my goodness. Yeah. So we've got seven great grandkids and one bonus grandchild and we've life's pretty daggone good so there there's life after you go through all that oh so, my gosh and that's amazing that you say that because i feel like you know think think back to that time when you were making that decision and like you said that was so hard it was such a 
a major impact in your life. Um, and do you think had you not had that support that maybe your decision would have been different? I don't think it would have been my decision. I think if I hadn't had that support, I don't think the outcome financially would have been any different, but I don't think it would have been my decision. And as it was, it was my decision. It was, I didn't, I didn't like the way it ended up. Uh, I wish there had been, I, I don't want to say that, I, I don't want to say this to make it sound like my family wasn't supportive because it were, but it would have been nice to have someone else to talk to, mm -hmm. you know, to get, to get some, some advice. And we had a lot of friends and, you know, I, you know, people in the county knew who it was, you know, we, uh, my oldest daughter showed two years at Gibson County Fair before we moved. So we were, you know, uh, but it was just, you know, uh, I'm from that generation that you just don't talk about things. And I wish that I had been able to, to talk to someone, but and not that family wasn't supportive. That's not what I'm saying. That, that's not what I mean at all, because they were. Uh, and like I said, I would never have got through it if we didn't go through it together. If, mm -hmm. if I didn't, if Christine and I didn't go through it together, but uh, it it would have been, you know, and it at that time, you know, thirty years ago, stress was something you just swallowed and went on. And you know, I lost forty pounds. Uh, I looked rough. Uh, <laughs> rough enough the way it is and it was it was just it was tough and it would have been nice to have you know just someone to say hey you know i've been through this there it'll be okay and it'll be okay it's, it's your, your your life's what you make it and i can't reiterate enough that you owe your kids more and what you can do for your kids you owe them more than what you owe your past generations. You don't know them a thing. Right. Now, do you think had, let's say you were making this decision in 2021, do you think it would be different? I would like to think so. Um, one thing when I came, when I came here to the company, to Wabash Valley, uh, it's a long story, but I basically replaced the guy that became our credit manager. He, he was plant manager here at, at Allendale, and he moved to the corporate office at Grayville and was credit manager. The salesman that was at Allendale at that time took the plant manager position, and they hired me to be the salesman or crop specialist or whatever you want to call it. And I got to know the credit manager really well, and he is retired now, and we drink coffee together every morning, and he's been a really good mentor for me and he is the type of person that I would like to have to have talked to when I was going through all this mm -hmm. the most compassionate person that one of the most compassionate people I know and then I saw how he dealt with people that were having issues and it really surprised me that someone in that position was as compassionate as he was. And I'm not saying that that anyone picked on me or or, or did anything out of this 
swords 30 years ago. That's not what I'm saying. But he, he's had to do some things he didn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. And he's always done it so that he maintained people's dignity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important that you can take people's livelihoods can change. You can take a different job. You can change your career, but you can't destroy somebody's dignity. And I've got a little thing here above my desk that says people will forget what you said. They'll forget what you did, but they will never forget the way that you made them feel. Mm -hmm. And when you wreck someone's dignity, that, that, that's that's pretty brutal mm-hmm. um so yeah i i think today i think as an industry we are better prepared to deal with those things um for one thing there's a whole lot fewer of us around i mean there's there's fewer farmers there's fewer ag retailers there's fewer ag bankers um uh, there's fewer equipment dealers there's there's just you know I thought there was a lot of consolidation when I was 25 years old. And now I look back, man, there was a implement dealer or fertilized dealer on every street corner compared to now. That was nothing, right? Yeah. I mean, our, our locations, we've consolidated to one location per county. Um, you know, we're, we're in 11 counties. we got 11 locations. We got, well, we got 12. We got one county with two, but it's a big county. Uh, and it's one manager, but there's two locations. But we went from 22 locations to, to 12. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, there's just a lot of consolidations going on. Yeah. So Better suited to deal with that today. Yeah. And not to dwell too much on that, that time in your life, but looking back, just because I feel like people may be able to relate to it a little bit, what was your mental state like? at that time when you were making the decision to leave the farm, like what were things like in your head? I was sleeping about two hours a night and I was going between really, really angry and really, really depressed. And there was not much joy at that time. Um, but I will say that when I made, when we made the move, found a job and made the move, that that started getting better. I'm still mad a lot. If you ask people around, I'm mad all the time anyway. So, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I have a reputation for having a short fuse, but I'm, I'm kind of like the guy on uh, night court. I'm much better now. But, <laughs> no, it, it is. It's, it's, it's tough. And, you know, I've, you know, you're, you're mad at yourself. You're mad at, you know, whoever you're dealing with, you're mad at, you know, whoever's wanting paid. Um, It's just, you're mad at everybody. And, and then it sinks in, you know, Hey, I did this to myself. And then, you know. Then you're mad at yourself again. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you just got to get through it and never give up. Winston Churchill was right. Never give up. Never, never, never give up. Don't. I love that. And so what, what was it during that time that you held on to that kind of gave you hope? 
I know you talked oh. about your family being very supportive, but what oh, was Oh, yeah, it? the family, yeah. When I, <laughs> now this isn't going to sound very good. <laughs> I went, I had a professional resume done. And when I sent my, when I decided I had to find a job. And I talked to this, this lady that was, that was preparing the resume. And she told me how to put all my notes together. And she was, you know, of course, now they teach kids how to do this in school, you know. <laughs> uh, she said, what's one thing you'd tell somebody that wants to hire you? And I said, I'm the best there is at what I do. There is nobody any better than I am at what I do. And you get 100% of commitment from me when I'm, when I'm doing something. And she said, well, how do I put that in words? I said, I just put that in words. Can you not listen? So I got a little short. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just said it the way it needs to be put in words. And even going through that, I never lost the fact that I can do anything. If it's on wheels or tracks, I can drive it. If it's, if it's dealing with a problem, I can fix it. Um, I, I never lacked for confidence. And a couple of people I interviewed with said I was – that was not a positive. <laughs> uh, Bob Bird, Orange County Co-op, took a chance on me. And I'll, I'll always be indebted to him for that. And uh, we were starting to turn things around there. And then I found out that this position was open. We could move our kids back closer to where our family was. I mean, where we live now is only 10 miles from where I grew up. So, uh, you know, my wife's family's here. My family's here. We just, it was just, or at that time, and it was better for us. Um, but that's what I'd say. Don't, don't think just because, like I said, there's all kinds of variables in farming. I made bad decisions. They seemed like the right thing to do at the time. You know, you start expanding a hog herd and it's going to take time for that to re you know, to recoup that expense. And then hogs dropped to $15 a pound or $15 a hundred. And we sold hogs different then and they sell them today. I don't even understand how you sell a hog today. I mean, <laughs> lean stuff. I mean, we're making pork chops, people. It ain't rocket science. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a whole lot closer to rocket science than it was 30 years ago. But, and then I'll tell you what, my employer... I, I could not have done what I've done in the last 30 years without Wabash Valley being Wabash Valley. Mm -hmm. They have given me opportunities. Uh, they didn't care where I came from. They didn't care what my past was. They just saw what I was able to do for the company. And that's been pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, and uh, you, I was going to say, it sounds like you have had so many positive influences in your life, um, helping you get to where you are today. Have you returned the favor, if you will, to helping others maybe in similar positions? Um, cause I, I feel like someone like you being that positive voice would be very helpful. Just curious if, if you've been able to, to do that to other people. Uh, you know, we're, we're, our industries are really tight knit group. Mm -hmm. And to answer your question, 
as far as people that are going through what I went through, I've, I've, I've tried a couple times and it's hard for people to talk to somebody else like that. And mm -hmm. if they talk about it, then we don't. I have been a mentor for about the last 27 years through Wabash Valley College here in Mount Carmel. And I've worked with um, well over a hundred interns. Uh, I hired several of those interns for full-time jobs. Um, I had a young man that worked for me as an intern that was in the National Guard. And he was working for me as an intern when 9-11 happened. And he was in the National Guard. And he was called up. And he went to Iraq. And we bought him a laptop so that he could talk to his wife now, he, he graduated and was working for me full time when he was called up. He was called up in 2003, I think, or four. I don't remember. But we got him a laptop with a camera in it so he could talk to his wife. Molly. And he and I emailed back and forth every Saturday morning. I don't know what time it was in Iraq. It was Saturday morning here. <laughs> but he came back. And when he came back, he returned to his full-time job and he worked for me for about another three or four years. And, uh, he's, uh, out of ag industry now, but he's a, a financial advisor and mm -hmm. extremely successful. And I've got people that have worked for me. Um, the really funny thing is the last person I hired, uh, when I was an area manager is now my supervisor. So that's pretty cool. It's like we're awesome. kids, but great guy. We get along fine. Get along great. Yeah. Um, I've done, I've tried to help and give back to my community as long as I've been here. Uh, I had a, I had a really severe accident in 2003 and I was off work for about four and a half months and I lost my left eye. And my neighbors, we, the, the Sunday before I got hurt, the weekend before I got hurt, uh, we were remodeling the bathroom in our house. And yes, we raised three daughters with one bathroom. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Some days was worse than others. Um, yeah. You know, um, and I had, I had destroyed that bathroom. I had took it completely apart. And the next weekend, I was going to put it all back together. And I got hurt. And our neighbors come in while I was in the hospital and put our bathroom back together. And they did. They are. A, our adoptive neighborhood here has been great to us. Mm -hmm. And we, the company was, took care of us while I was off. Of course I was hurt at work. Um, but it just says a lot about the people around us and, and we're part of the community here and it's, uh, I would have rather not spent that much time in the hospital, but it was pretty nice to know that we had friends and we had people that were like, that treated us like family. Yeah, that, absolutely. 
you know. So not only did you go through this experience of of leaving the farm and and all of that, but you also experienced a life changing accident that yeah just completely changed everything. Changed my attitude a lot. I'm not near as cocky as I was. <laughs> um, but you uh, know, it, it the stress that you experienced through both of those those events. But you know, you'd already been through so much. But how did? What was it like to go through that 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 accident and and have all the you know some of that stress? Did any of that come rushing back to you? Not really. The, the poor. Oh my gosh. I, okay. It was a Wednesday afternoon at twelve thirty, and the feed salesman and I had went to lunch in Albion, and we went and had lunch at um, Nat Martin Albion, and we came back. It was June eighteenth, and someone called in and needed urea spread. So I went out, started the fertilized blender and the bin and the, the auger and the urea bin locked up. So me being me, I grabbed a wrench. I didn't call for any help. I went out there. I was going to break that auger loose and turn the power off. And I had a 24-inch crescent wrench. And it spun that wrench around and hit me in the side of the head. And my eye exploded and mashed the side of my left side of my face. And... They got me to the hospital and I had surgery, four hours of surgery that afternoon to put my head back together and put the eye back in and reinflate it. And at 7.30 the next morning, the general manager, my direct supervisor and a credit manager walked into my hospital room. Now, I had just taken the job a year ago to be the manager at this Browns location that was going to be the flagship location of Wabash Valley Service Company. It was this experiment to control to close four satellite locations and put them into one location. And we went, you know, we went from our locations having seven or eight employees to a location that had 30. And I was supposed to be taking care of all this. And here I was laying in the hospital with the side of my head caved in. And these three guys walk in and I'm like, yep, they're here to fire my ass. I am out of here. <laughs> all they did was, okay, what do you need? What, what, what do you need? How do, you know, the, the kids, wow. you know, what, what do you need? What does your wife need? What do you guys, what, what needs to happen? Wow. Not the plan. So, but right, right before they got there, well, it was quite a bit before they got there. We were really busy. And you know how ag retail is, farming is in the spring. So at five o'clock, there was a phone in my room. So I called the plant. <laughs> answered. Said, Marilyn, what's going on? Mike? I said, yeah, what's going on? She hung up on me. <laughs> so I called her back. And... I said, Marilyn, don't you hang up on me again. I want to know what's going on. What is everything okay? And click, she hung up on me again. <laughs> so I called her back and I said, okay. She said, all right, no, this is the way it is. Don't call here again. You don't need to be calling here. We've got this under control. You get better. And uh, 
Well, I was mad at Maryland. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I was hot. But she's she knew. She 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 handled it the way it needed to be handled. Yeah. When those guys showed up and uh, it, they just took care of things. And yeah. when I when I was hurt, uh, like I said, we're a big 4-H family. And my two youngest kids were still in 4-H. It was Rachel's last year and Ashley was Ashley was 15 when I got hurt, my youngest. And uh, they had, uh, we, we kind of get over, like I said, we're a 4-H family. And in Illinois, we have a junior fair and 4-H fair. And my kids had lots of projects. And we didn't have enough room to have hogs, so my kids showed rabbits and poultry. And they had, between the two of them, they had about 400 different animals that needed to get to the fair because of the way our fair is. So they had geese and chickens and ducks and guineas and pheasants. And, you know, I think that between the two of them, they had 60 rabbits. <laughs> and the neighbors showed up with seven pickups. Oh, my and, gosh. That's that's pretty neat to have that kind of a. I, I stood at the back door and cried for thirty minutes. Yeah, to have that community. And and my my friends and the fair board came and loaded up my kids' stuff and took it to the fair. So. There's uh, people out there that'll help you, and yeah, you know it. Uh, it all turned out. Um, I can still drive. I mean, <laughs> I've got one good eye, sort of, and uh, you know, yeah. I've I've still been able to work for. That's been almost twenty years ago, and I still I still got a job, and I still work, and uh, pretty much function the way I did before. Uh, I can't climb a ladder. I can't get on a roof which I don't have any business being on roof anyway. <laughs> it's your family and your community gets you through things. It's just yeah. And that's so true. And, you know, you deal a lot with farmers now in your line of work. You might not be farming yeah. yourself, but, you know, what is something you, uh, a stressor you see these, these farmers facing these days? I, I tell you the thing that it's just the unknown, you know, we all, Pro, trouble with the unknown we don't know what's going to happen next week with the weather we don't know what's and right now good lord we, we just lived through a pandemic and i'm using past tense because i want this sucker over with <laughs> i worked from the house for four and a half months last year and i can tell you right now i'm not ready to retire and my wife is not ready for me to be around the house <laughs> it's just it's just not we're not ready for that um it's it's just the unknown you know what's what's coming next you know what are we able to get enough nitrogen for to grow our crop next year are we going to be able to use uh you know don't get enough phosphate um i think one thing this is going to be a learning experience we're going to find out we can live with a little less phosphate and a little less nitrogen uh, i'm a real proponent of the four r's and i'm not going to get into that but i i do a lot of speaking about the four R's, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of work for the Fertilizer Institute. And we're going to find out that and it's going to get shoved down our throats, but not by regulation because yeah. we're going to have to. We're just not going to get the stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that's the biggest 
the biggest stressor for farmers right now is just the unknown. We, we don't know what's going to happen next. What what What's the next gut punch coming we're going to have to live with? Uh, you know, we look at what's going on. We look at what's going on in California right now in the swine industry, you know, and look at how it's affecting things here. Mm-hmm. You ask about giving back to the community. And one thing that Wabash Valley does is, and this, I'm, I'm, I'm segueing here. It's going to make sense when I get there. Just, <laughs> but we we do uh, community outreach in each of our our counties, our our eleven counties, and I take I head that up. I do different fundraisers, and we've got a commercial smoker on a trailer, and we'll go into a community and we'll cook three or four hundred pork chops for. We've done Cancer Society. We've done, um, we did one this summer for the Juvenile Diabetes Foundation. Uh, we did one just this last week in Posey County for the officer that was wounded in the line of duty. And we sold, uh, we sold pork chop meals and we raised $6,500 and for the, for the officer. Uh, we donate 100% of the proceeds. We, we supply the, the, all the supplies or all the all the stuff to make the the meals, and then 100% of the proceeds go to whatever charity we're working with or whatever need we're working with. And pork chops have got high. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was paying a dollar fifty nine a pound for boneless pork loins, and now they're like two and a quarter. Right. So that cuts down on the number, you know, on my budget a little bit. So I've had to get creative in my fundraising to <laughs> pay for that. But, uh, you know, things you don't think about. And, and we do a weekly radio show on a, on a radio station here in Mount Carmel. And that's one of the things that we try to talk to the public about is, okay, you see this happening in the news and how this is happening to a farmer. You got to remember that's going to that's gonna affect you. Uh, and I think we were in, in the beginning of the pandemic when we sh- were shutting meatpacking plants down people started to realize, oh, crap. Yeah, the farmers are having to figure out what to do with all these pigs, but I'm trying to figure out how to get by without bacon. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've got to kind of, you know, we've got to understand, and I think one thing that farmers we're getting better at is the, the consumer, our customer, is we, we need to let them know that we're on their side. Mm-hmm. We eat we, you know, everyone eats. That's, that's just the way it is. Everyone eats. You know, I, I love these commercials. Oh, our, our, our product. I got to be really politically correct here. I'm not a politically correct person. <laughs> our product is all farm raised. Well, get a life folks. It's all farm raised. Yeah. I mean, there's not a manufacturing facility somewhere spitting out eggs. Yeah. The hen. That's, that's just about as basic as it gets. There's yeah. a hen where it laid that egg come on yeah. that predatory average oh that's a whole nother subject boy <laughs> that really gets me fired see there's that anger thing but hey i could get on that soapbox with you that that stuff gets me too that's, oh my before it's the pain, stressful. it's one of oh the stressors, you know that we're yeah. dealing with the consumer public so far removed from the farm that they don't really understand where their food comes from or or you know exactly. the amount of work that farmers put into it 
Um, exactly. And I think that that is one of the stressors that we face. You know, we face all these unknowns and one of them is not knowing if the consumer public, what trend is going to drive the market that, that week or that month and, or that year. You I think know, it's there's, there's it's one of those things. There's hope because you see all these surveys and 75% plus the American public trusts the American farmer. So there's hope. Mm-hmm. 25% of wackos that we got to work, who we got to deal with. <laughs> but, but I like, I like where you're going with the hope. Um, and that, that leads me to my, uh, my next question too. What, what are you hopeful for with this industry? Boy, that's a really good question. <laughs> I'm hopeful about a lot of things and I'm optimistic about this industry. My gosh, the, the, the knowledge and the, the innovation and the, the um, do-it-yourself part of the industry. And it's not just farming. It's in, it's in agri-tail. It's in, you know, they're some of the best people we hire are farm kids. Mm-hmm. We hire some really good people that have no idea about farming. I mean, it's just that... And I, I look at I look at the FFA, you know, the FFA organizations, and I look at the 4-H organizations, and I look at the different junior, uh, uh, community colleges. I suppose call them junior colleges, community colleges over here. And all the young people that I deal with, it, it gives me a lot of hope um, and a lot of optimism. But the the industry is just um, you look at you look at uh, social media. And I am not a big social media fan. Uh, I I'm on Twitter. I got like 1,100 followers and all that, you know. And most of what I put on there now is grandkid stuff because I just couldn't take the bitterness, yeah, the the downer stuff. But man, there's a lot of good people on there that have really good information and sharing things that are going on in ag. Um, and I followed a lot of ag Twitter for a long time. And I still look at it once in a while and see what's going on. Um, but I'd, I'd say just, just the passion around agriculture isn't any different today than it's been my entire career. Yeah. Uh, my grandpa farmed with an eight horse team. He drove an eight horse team. His dad had three eight horse teams. They farmed a thousand acres a hundred years ago. And he told me before he passed away, he said, you will never see the changes in farming that I've seen. He said, I went from farming with a horse to driving a four-wheel drive tractor, mm-hmm. gathering wheat with a mowing saw and running and putting it through a thrashing machine to driving a combine. And he told me that in probably 1987 or 88. <laughs> and there has been more innovation in agriculture since then than there was mm-hmm. our life yeah. he, he would be just to see a 45 foot platform yeah. on a vine and watch someone cutting beans 45 foot swath four and a half mile an hour would just he he'd, he he wouldn't be able to handle it he'd have to knock whoever's driving it out of the way and get behind the wheel yeah my dad says that about his dad a lot yep yep and it's, uh, I think that's, that's the thing I see as optimism is, and there's a place for all of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
you know, you, you don't have to be behind the, you don't have to be behind the, the tractor wheel or the combine wheel. You don't have to be in that seat to be part of it. You could, oh, there's lots of jobs. There's lots of things that are really important that have to be done. And there's a place for every talent. Mm -hmm. I, I firmly believe that there's a place in agriculture for anybody that's passionate about it. And it, it may not be exactly what your first choice might be, but there's a place. Right. I think that that's, that is such a great point. And um, I know you, you mentioned too, because um, time-wise we want to respect your time and everything like that. Um, do you talk about some of your community outreach programs and just getting out there. Do you have any events coming up or um, how can people learn more about where, where you work, what you do, or get involved if that's something that they want to do? Well, you can, you can go to, you can go to our website, Wabash Valley Service Company, um, wabashvalleyfs.com, or you can go to our Facebook page, and we've got a young lady that just graduated from Southern at Carbondale, and she is our new marketing associate. She's really good at that stuff. And you can kind of see what's going on, what we got coming up. We just finished up what we call Feed the Crew. And I take my little smoker and I drag it around to all 11 counties. And we feed every customer lunch one day. And I cook anywhere from 225 to 450 pork chops, boneless pork chops. And we put them in a bun and we throw a bag of cookies and a bag of potato chips and a bottle of water and we deliver them to the farm. I am so sick of pork chops. <laughs> we cook 3,000 pork chops in 17 days. Woo. And that's counting Saturdays. But wow. we, we cooked. Um, yeah. And it's uh, that's and that's that's just something we do every fall. We didn't last year because of the dang pandemic, but it was really cool. We, we had a, uh, we had pork chops already cut and I had a couple of hundred pork chops already ready. And then the location we were going to go to ended up with coronavirus at the, at, at the plant. So I had to freeze the chops and it just, you know, we, we weren't able to do anything. So I've got these, 200 pork chops sitting out here in the, in the freezer. And uh, the minister at the church up the road, I heard him on the radio and he is president of the ministerial society here in the County. And he, he was talking on the radio that, that operation share, which is our food bank here in, in Wabash County was out of food. You know, we were in a pandemic, people weren't working, uh, you know, businesses were shut down and the need yeah. dire. So he got off. As soon as he got off the radio, I called him. I said, Hey, Kevin, how much money you need? He said, anything would be, anything would be greatly appreciated. I said, well, I got, I got some pork chops out here in the freezer and they were having a radio thon and cost you 10 bucks to have a radio uh, for eight hours to have a song played on the radio and all the money went to the operation share. I said, why don't we sell pork chops while that's going on? 
And he said, well, how much? I said, don't worry about it. We'll supply the pork chops. They're out here in the freezer. They're paid for. We'll just cook them. So we ended up, we put the, the pork chops in bundles of four. And I bought a few more pork chops. And we raised about $1,000 for Operation Share. We donated, we cooked the pork chops, we donated them, we wrapped them up in bundles before took them down there. They had a line a block long waiting to in line to buy pork chops. They limited everyone in line to two bundles. So you could only buy eight. They were 10 bucks a bundle. And they sold those. They had 85 bundles of pork chops and they sold them in six minutes. Oh my gosh. Now I make really good pork chops. I'm just <laughs> Uh, we, we are doing that again, December 10th uh, in Mount Carmel. Uh, we just did that fundraiser for the uh, the deputy in Posey County. Uh, we did for an employee, um, had a liver transplant, and we did a fundraiser for him. We cooked 600 pork chops for that one, and we raised about $11,000. That was in August. Uh, in July, we helped, we did uh, the one for Diabetes Foundation, Juvenile Diabetes, and we raised about 11 for that one. So I never know what's going to come up next. Uh, today, I am cooking for the Allendale teachers, and I'm making pork chops and cheese potatoes and green beans. We're going to haul it up to the school and feed the teachers for teacher appreciation. Nice. So we're always doing something. And I really work. I really have a real job. <laughs> so... You know, so my phone is like if, blowing up because there must be some kind of crisis. So, <laughs> it, well, it, so if people back. want to to get a hold of some of your pork chops, they can just look either on your your Facebook page or online yeah. and kind of see where sure. you're at. Perfect. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, Kenna keeps me up, keeps me, you know, keeps people aware of what we're doing. So if we've got if we've got a fundraiser coming, it'll be on there. Okay. Um, uh, we did we did one in Hamilton County two or three years ago, and we. We sold enough pork chops. We bought AEDs for every uh, sheriff's awesome. uh, vehicle. And we donated those AEDs to the sheriff's department. So we were able to raise enough, sell enough pork chops. We bought four AEDs so that every deputy and the sheriff had an AED in Hamilton County. It's uh, whatever, the, it's up to the location, yeah. uh, the location manager uh, and, his, and his people. And if they've got a cause they want to do something for, we'll do it and make it happen so well and you know as we kind of wrap up too you know is there anything that you want to share with our listeners who maybe you know are looking for some kind of hope or are, are experiencing stress is there any any kind of message that you want to make sure that they they take this point home never give up don't don't give up and and yo your kids a whole lot more than you owe anybody else and your and your spouse you know take care of yours i mean I'm not dismissing tradition. I, I'm the most traditional person you'll ever meet, but you got to make decisions that benefit your family. Uh, are, are, is a lot of these decisions easy? Absolutely not. Nothing easy about it. But there, the sun, the sun will come up tomorrow. It does every time. It always will. It, you know, and my neighbor, and and she's passed away. But when we first moved here, we, we rented a house from them and it was a two bedroom house. And with three daughters, my wife said, you've got 90 days to find. Something. 
Well, I bought the house and we've been there almost 28 years and we've remodeled it. And it's a whole lot bigger now than it was then. <laughs> we bought the house from, from our neighbors and they were great, 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 great people. And their son and I are the same age. We're still, we, we talk every day. But she told me some, something was going on. And she told me, she said, just remember one thing, this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. This too shall pass. And she's right. And when I get, you know, something feels like it's overwhelming, you know, and we, we all deal with things every day that they're not every day, but you know, you, need to, you deal with things in your life that feel overwhelming. And I just go back to what Ann said, this too shall pass. I'll get you know, Absolutely. pretty much fun while it's going on. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's kind of like watching an Indiana basketball game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, I, I am okay. Optimism. You want to talk about optimism? I'm so dang excited about this Purdue Boiler basketball team. I, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just scared to death the wheels are going to come off because my lands are so dang many Illini fans over here. And, <laughs> eye searing orange and god but you know we still got the black and gold and colors and let's look let's let's enjoy this basketball season man we all need something absolutely that's right oh let's enjoy this purdue basketball season so definitely in the in the last 40 years uh from joe barry carroll to Travion Williams, man, Purdue basketball's brought me a lot of joy for the whole family. So, <laughs> I you think know. you're the only one. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. And I got on red and white, but that's a company shirt. So <laughs> they won't let me well, wear black and gold. So, oh well. <laughs> well, we want to just thank you so much for joining us today and for, for just sharing the story that you have and for just being the the beacon of hope that you are, you know, in your community you. and in, in the ag industry. We just, you, you know, we're so appreciative of, of you and of people like you who, who are passionate about reaching out and sharing their experiences in hope that it'll help someone else down the road. Um, so we just want to thank you again, Mike, um, for joining us today. And we want to thank all of our listeners for listening to the Tools for Today's Farmer podcast. If you would like more information about the Purdue Extension Farm Stress team or any of our programs, you can see our website, extension.purdue.edu slash farm stress, or you can find us on Facebook as the Purdue Extension Farm Stress team. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest or if you have topics you would like to suggest for the tools for today's Farmers podcast, please leave us a message on our Farm Stress Facebook page. In all of our social media posts, we use the hashtag FarmStrong to emphasize that the agriculture community is resilient and strong enough to overcome anything that comes our way. Share your story of overcoming stress on social media using the hashtag FarmStrong. And thank you again for listening in. We're your hosts, Rachel Bilhoff and Abby Heidenreich, and we'll talk to you next time.